Well, my name is Aaron Osborne. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's my privilege to share God's word with you today. Uh, the other week, I was umpiring one of my son's baseball games, and I totally blew a call. Um, I called time and called the uh, play uh, dead uh, prematurely, and it cost my son's team an out, probably gave the other team a few runs. Um, didn't change the outcome of the game, but I felt bad. I felt bad because my son was playing catcher, uh, and over the course of the season, he's probably thrown a half a dozen or more uh, perfect throws down to second base or third when a kid was trying to steal. That should have gotten the kid out, but the second baseman or the third baseman uh, dropped the ball, forgot to put a tag on, whatever, and he didn't get him out. And this time, he throws it down to third, Kid catches it, would have been an out, except for the umpire, blew it, called dead, and I let him down. Um, anyway, the reality is we have all had authorities in our lives that have let us down. Those who are supposed to shepherd us and care for us and watch out for us have failed us. And by shepherd, I mean, they not, they not only were supposed to have an authority over us to, to talk about what was right or wrong, but also to protect us, to care for us, to seek our betterment. And they've let us down. You know, I, I don't know where you are on the political spectrum, and don't worry, this is not a sermon about politics. Um, but as I think about the election last week, right, like there are 300 million plus people in this country. And really, these are my two choices. And I think part of my problem is I just, honestly, I just felt let down. Um, you know, does any of these politicians really care about me? And just kind of left with this cynical feeling. Can I trust any of the promises they make on the campaign trail? Now, maybe you were super excited about your choice for president or political offices. Maybe you were excited about the outcome of the election. Wherever you stand on that, the reality is at times we have all been let down by leaders. You know, I was blessed by two godly parents who brought me here uh, to RBC when I was in third grade and still attend here. Um, but working with our youth, I know I'm the exception, not the rule. By far the hardest part of my job is working with our students who, through no fault of our own, have just had to endure deep, deep pain at the hands of their parents, whether it's issues of abuse, abandonment, just... Uh, it grieves my spirit at times. Those parents are the ones who are supposed to protect their children and seek the betterment of their children. Instead, they've just let these deep wounds and scars in the, in the lives of their kids. Probably the maddest I've ever been in the decade plus I've been uh, working with our students here. So I was meeting with his dad, and he had a tense relationship with his son. And we were just talking through, and he was like, yeah. I know in a few years he really will never want to talk to me again. Good riddance. A lot of parents have let their kids down. Maybe you feel the same way uh, about a pastor. Maybe you didn't like what Pastor Mike said last week uh, concerning an election. Maybe you thought he was too political. Maybe you thought he wasn't political enough. Maybe you don't like how the church has responded to COVID. Uh, maybe it's a pastor with some moral failure. I feel like every other month I see in the news another pastor with a church of 10,000 plus is caught in an affair and it's led to a, a split in their church. If you were a, a follower, if you would not consider yourself a follower of Jesus Christ and you uh, came here today and maybe you're watching it with us online, you might be thinking, yeah, this is exactly why I don't like the church. 
There's just so much hypocrisy and garbage there. It's such a mess there. I would encourage you to listen today because I think God wants to speak to us there. You know, I, I know as a pastor, I've let plenty of people down. You were hoping I'd reach out in a certain way and I didn't deliver. I overpromised, overcommitted, and underdelivered. If you've been going to RBC long enough, one of the pastors here will have let you down. By the way, welcome to RBC. Um, <laughs> see, the reality is we have all been failed at some point in our lives by the authorities, those who were supposed to shepherd us, whether parents, pastors, or politicians. But what do we do with that? Where is God in the midst of that failure and pain? How do we process that with the Lord? And what I want you to take away from today is simply this. When, when our earthly shepherds fail us, God doesn't promise us better earthly shepherds. He promises us that he himself will care for us. He will intercede on our behalf. He will save us. He will shepherd. Simply put, when my earthly shepherds fail, the Lord is my shepherd. There's kind of four questions I want to walk through and discuss today. Uh, first of all, how have we seen our earthly shepherds fail? How do the earthly shepherds fail? And then, how does God respond to our shepherd's failure? We're going to see both of these out of Ezekiel 34. And then we're going to talk about how, do we, how does God shepherd me? How do I follow a good shepherd? And we're going to look at Psalm 23 for that. And then finally, how can I trust God in the middle of my pain? How can I trust God to shepherd me? How can I trust the shepherds in the middle of my pain? And we're going to look at John 10 for that. Let me pray for us, and then we'll dive into God's Word together. Oh, Lord God in heaven, Lord, I, I know we each walk in here with our different pains and hurts and struggles and problems. Lord, today, would you refresh us from your word? Would you teach us from your word? Would you instruct us from your word, Lord God? God, and today, would we see you high and lifted up and exalted? Would we see you as our good shepherd who's laid down his life for his sheep? Lord, Refresh our hearts today from your word. In your son's name we pray. Amen. So first of all, how have our earthly shepherds fail? Well, we're going to be looking at Ezekiel 34, and I know the last time I taught in the main services, I taught from Ezekiel. And if you're like, Aaron, Ezekiel again, I just want to remind you, how long was Pastor Mike in Genesis? Okay. It's only my second week here, so bear with me. Uh, well, in 605 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon comes and invades Judah, Jerusalem, and he conquers it, and he takes King Jehoiachin and a lot of the leading nobles, like Daniel, into captivity. Um, and uh, they're moved to these different refugee camps, work camps. Um, now, the prophet Jeremiah stays back with the people and ministers to the people who stay in the land. But about five years into captivity, God starts speaking through Ezekiel to the people. And God is shepherding his people through Ezekiel. We read this in Ezekiel 34, starting in verse 1. It says this. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, this is what the Lord God says. Woe, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Should the shepherds not feed the flock? 
You eat the fat and clothe yourself with the wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. See, God is pronouncing his judgment against the shepherds and the leaders of Israel. Now, in their case, the religious and political leadership were very much uh, intertwined. Uh, he here is rebuking not only the kings and the nobles, but he's also rebuking the priests, both the government and religious officials. And he's saying, hey, the goal of a shepherd, you know, is to feed the flock. But instead of feeding the flock, you're slaughtering the flock to fatten yourself. You're looking for your own profit. Well, how do we see this today? I don't see many politicians struggling financially after they leave office. Uh, I spent a lot of time working with one of our national pastors in Haiti, and there are untold billions of dollars of aid that's been sent to Haiti to feed the people there. I was just gone to line the pockets of many politicians. And in the church, this is the televangelist who gets on, on TV and says, hey, you might be struggling out there, um, but I, I think God wants you to send me your last 50 or $100 so I can buy a second private jet, and then showers of blessings will come upon you. Or more subtly in the church, it's a pastor who's not cared about your spiritual growth, but he's just cared about building up his own kingdom and his own influence. You know, I know many parents today uh, that are taking out loans in the name of their children. I, they don't care about ruining them because it benefits them, them. It's all about me, what I want. Continuing in verse 4 of Ezekiel 34, it says, Those who are sickly you have not strengthened, the disease you have not healed, the broken you have not bound up, the scattered you have not brought back. Nor have you searched for the loss, but with force and with violence you have dominated them. They are scattered for a lack of a shepherd, and they become food for every animal of the field and scattered. My flock strayed through all the mountains on an every high hill. My flock was scattered over the surface of the earth, and there was no one to search or seek for them. You see, God's command for the shepherd wasn't just that they feed the flock but also they're commanded to strengthen the flock, to heal up and bind the wounds, to bring back and to seek the lost, to protect them from the wolves. It's not just feeding them, it's pursuing them to make them better. And obviously we see this failure in politicians, we don't need to rail on them anymore, but as pastors and spiritual leaders, the command is not just to get up and preach a sermon on Sunday, but to really pursue the flock. A lot of times parents come to me and say, hey, thanks for the way uh, you're reaching out to my kid. And I'm like, well, that's, that's really what God is calling us to do as pastors and leaders. I'll say one of my bigger challenges in the youth ministry is, honestly, there are just way more kids than I can ever reach out to. And, and this is why I, I gotta say, if you are one of our volunteer leaders, whether you're with Quest whether with junior high, senior high, shoot, if you are leading an adult shepherd group, I just can't say how grateful I am for you. On behalf of myself, the pastors, the elders here, I can't say how grateful we are for you. And the way, especially in these times, so many of you have gone way above and beyond to pursue people. Because there's a big flock that needs people to pursue them. And I'm going to say just how grateful I am. 
uh, for so many of you who have just really gone above and beyond to pursue. Unfortunately, I, I see this failure talked about in Ezekiel a lot in parents and in many times in myself. See, God's command isn't just make sure your kids are fed until they're 18 and then you're done. But we're supposed to pursue our children. And I, I know that's hard, especially as my kids are teens now. But so many parents today, I see them sacrificing their kids on the altar of their own personal success. And they stop this pursuit that they're supposed to have of their children. And if you want to talk more about what that looks like, feel free to reach out to myself, Bob Scholler, Lee Banton, who work with our senior high, uh, Mike Myers in our family ministry. We're to have this pursuit of our children. And you'll notice, I haven't even touched on, on issues of abuse, neglect, uh, addiction, where, where parents just do such deep harm to the lives of their kids. And this here is the heart of God's rebuke for the shepherds. See, shepherding is more than just making sure your flock has food, but it's also this protection and care and seeking their betterment. And we've all had earthly shepherds fail us. Another really just quick sidebar here. Right now, you may be feeling a little guilt about the way you have shepherded your own flock. Uh, that God has entrusted to you. And I want to just quickly address that before I want to get onto what the heart of our message is today. Um, one thing I see in this passage and over and over in Scripture is God, God refers to the Israelites as my flock. And I think a, a lot of times as I look at, at those entrusted to me, whether here in the junior high ministry or my own kids, I forget that it's not my flock. It's God's flock. My children are not mine, they're God's. And God has entrusted to me to care for them. Junior high is not my ministry, it's God's ministry. And I operate under God's authority in that. And so when I screw up, when I don't shepherd well, I need to confess that to the Lord and say, God, I have failed to, to shepherd in the way that you would want me to. I need to go to those that, that I have hurt and I need to... I need to Make restitution as best as possible. I think as a parent, one of the most powerful things you can do is when you mess up, apologize to your kids. I, I need to, if I see, if I sense my own, my own mess up, I, I need to cry out to the Lord for help. Look, I will never be uh, the she a shepherd that is honoring and pleasing to the Lord without God's help. It is too hard, and I need to cry out, oh Lord, would you empower me through, the, through your Holy Spirit to shepherd in a way that is honoring to you. And finally, I need to remember, Jesus has already died to pay the penalty of my sins past, present, and future. And yet, I may have left some deep wounds in people but God already died to pay for that. I can't beat myself up over the past, but I can say, God, I want to honor you today in the way that I shepherd. Help me shepherd well today. My past failures don't define me. I need to embrace the forgiveness of my God and my King. Now, as we consider our hurts from our pastors, parents, and politicians. We've talked about some of the ways they failed, but how does God respond to our earthly shepherd's failure? Well, first, uh, we see his judgment on the shepherds and the bad leaders in verses 7 to 10. And I want to pick it up in verse 11, which says this. For the Lord God says this, 
Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd cares for his flock on a day when he is among his scattered sheep, so I will care for my sheep and will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and bring them to their own land, and I will feed them on mountains of Israel. By the streams and in all the inhabited places of the land, I will feed them in a good pasture and their grazing places will be on the mountain heights of Israel. There they will lie down in a good grazing place and feed in rich pastures on the mountains of Israel. I myself will feed my flock and I myself will lead them to rest, declares the Lord. I will seek the lost, bring back the scattered, bind up the broken and strengthen the sick. You'll notice the number of times in these verses where God says, I will. See, he is the primary force to search out for and to seek out. He's the primary force to care for and deliver. He's the one that's going to bring them out and to feed them richly. He is the one that will lead them to rest. See, God's solution is not better earthly leaders. He is the solution, and he is the Savior. See, if I'm looking for some other man to be my Savior, whether a parent, politician, or pastor, I will always be let down. No matter what anyone promises you, no earthly leader will ever be our Messiah. See, when our earthly shepherds fail, the Lord is my shepherd. Just to be real practical here, I 100% affirm that we as followers of Jesus Christ in these United States should uh, exercise our right to vote. I think we should speak up on political matters. We don't just roll over. We are to be salt and light to this world. However, if you're like, the world is now going to end because my candidate lost. The system is rigged. Our country is going through a steep moral decline because of this election. I'm never going to talk to this person ever again because they didn't vote. I can't believe they voted for that person. Um, any of those things. Your hope is in the wrong thing. See, you are hoping for an earthly shepherd to be the salvation of mankind. And there is only one salvation of mankind, and that is Jesus Christ. Yes, this world will end, but it will end when Jesus Christ returns and sets up his eternal kingdom. Yes, this nation is going through a moral decline, and yes, we as Christians may face more opposition and persecution, but that's what Jesus told us would happen. And he also told us, take heart, I have overcome the world. He told us to render to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And as best it is up to us to live peacefully with all men. See, my hope isn't in a better earthly shepherd. It is in the Lord Jesus Christ coming as our one true shepherd. Now this doesn't mean we reject human authority. Romans 13 makes it really clear we're supposed to be in subjection to all human authorities. And this isn't a license to ignore human authority. It's not a license uh, that we, uh, as shepherds, can ignore our responsibility as shepherds. But in the midst of the struggles of this life, how am I turning to the Lord? How am I putting my hope in Him? 
Ezekiel talks a little more about how Jesus will judge between those who have fattened themselves uh, and the other sheep. And we read this down in verse 23 of Ezekiel 34. Then I will appoint over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will feed them, and he will feed them himself and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. See, ultimately, what we are to look forward to is the coming Messiah. That is God's response to the failures of our earthly shepherds. See, Jesus came and uh, came once and died on, this, on a cross for your sins and for my sins to save me from the penalty of my sins. And he's going to come again to set up his permanent rule. See, when my earthly shepherds fail, the Lord is my shepherd. So we've looked at how our earthly shepherds have failed. We've looked at God's response in sending Christ now, how does God shepherd me? See, you might be like, look, Aaron, I know my hope isn't in some politician, but I have this deep personal pain, this deep wound that has been inflicted in, on me. A parent or a pastor has let me down, but how does God shepherd me in the middle of that? What does that even mean? Well, I want to share what, I, what this looks like in my own life. I'm going to pull from a popular passage on shepherds, Psalm 23. And I think Psalm 23 so perfectly uh, matches the promises of the shepherd in Ezekiel 34, 11 to 15. But Psalm 23, as many of you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Again, this is a popular passage that has been a comfort through many generations. But how does the Lord shepherd me? And, and how do I follow this good shepherd? Well, first, I think this passage says, if I want to follow a good shepherd, I need to allow God to shepherd. We can't say, the Lord is my shepherd, and you better do this, 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 and the next thing for me, God. I think a lot of times I come to God with my list of wants and needs, and when I don't get everything I want and I think I need right then, I start going and looking for other pastors. It's in those other pastures where there's wolves waiting to devour. But David starts off and he declares, the Lord is my shepherd. And especially as we deal with pain, and I don't think a lot of people in our society really like to face the pain and the hurt in their lives. I know I don't. And as a result, I hide from it. We engross ourselves in entertainment and amusement. Uh, we hide in addiction and medicate away the pain, especially in these COVID times. We just get in this, I'm just going to survive 2020. Well, I hate to break it to you. January 1st will not solve all the world's problems. The other week, I was really frustrated with something, and I, I just felt like I had this really clear choice one afternoon. I was like, I can either go play some video games and distract myself away from why I'm annoyed and mad, or I can spend time with the Lord. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to deal with any wound. It's hard to deal with pain. But I had to let God shepherd and, and that afternoon, the Lord, his word just spoke to me. And over a few day period, I went from this, this frustration and annoyance and bitterness 
this peace. This is God interceding. Not that all my problems went away. I still had the same problems. But I had this peace from the Lord because instead of self-medicating, I allowed him to shepherd. See, he has green pastures and he has quiet waters. But will I yield to his shepherd's staff? And you may be stuck as you, as you pro- think about some of the pain in your own life, and this is where I think a, a counselor or a pastor may be really helpful for you to talk through some of the pain in your life. But at some point in time, you have to deal with that pain. And I think mourning is a lost emotion in our culture that we need. You know, and Jesus isn't just like, you idiots, what are you doing? Why don't you trust me? Have a little faith. You know, you look at... at at Lazarus' death, right? And he comes to Mary and Martha, and yes, he explains some truth to them, but it says really clearly in John eleven thirty five, 35, Jesus wept. He doesn't tell his sheep, suck it up and deal with it. He says, I'm going to heal. I'm going to seek. I'm going to bind. And man, as I open up to the Lord, there's so many times I just need to open up to him about the hurt in my life and allow him to shepherd. Second, I I see from this passage that we need to obey the shepherd's voice. If we're going to follow a good shepherd, we have to obey his voice. Notice how we're commanded to be on these paths of righteousness that he's going to guide us in. And part of allowing God to shepherd is that we obey his commands. We obey his voice that is found in his word. And unfortunately, when we're hurt and we fall into these paths of addiction or other patterns of sin, we, don't, we, we leave the path of righteousness. And this really comes into play when we're talking about pain because my natural response when someone else hurts me is I'm anger, angry, I'm bitter, I want to seek revenge. But instead, God is calling me to purity. God is calling me to obedience. See, I will never be able to deal with the junk that other shepherds have inflicted on me if I'm trapped in my own sin. I'll never be able to deal with it if I can't forgive as I have been forgiven. Man, this world is hard to deal with if you never obey God and forgive so when I'm mad at a leader, I need to cry out to God, oh Lord, would you help me obey? Would you help me understand your forgiveness that I could forgive, Lord God? I need to be extra vigilant to guard against the temptations and, and other issues so I don't add more mess to my broken world. If we're going to follow the good shepherd, we need to allow God to shepherd. We need to obey the voice of the shepherd. As the psalm continues in verse 4, it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You've anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Third thing as we are following the good shepherd is we need to release worries outside of my control. See, many times when I worry, it's me saying, God, I don't think you have this, and I need to control it. I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, and I am afraid because you ain't taking care of it, God. Look at the world around us. Our society, our media especially, wants to make us afraid. 
But God is still on his throne and he still reigns. He can raise up kings and he can take them down. Nothing happens without his foreknowledge. He isn't surprised by anything. He's not like, wow, I didn't expect COVID to happen. He created the universe by speaking and he can snap his fingers and change anything. But you know, my kids are their own free moral agents. And I want to do as much as I can to shepherd them faithfully but ultimately, how they turn out is outside of my control. We quote 1 Peter 5, 7 a lot. It's cast all your cares or anxiety on him because he cares for you. Uh, great verse. But I think when we quote it, we actually also need to quote verse 6, which says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that at the proper time he may lift you up. Cast all your anxiety or cares on him because he cares for you. If you read it in Greek, I think a much better rendering uh, of it is humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God by casting all your anxiety and cares on him, for he cares for you. See, when we stress about everything, we are putting ourselves in the position of God. But God says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Instead, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well, Matthew 6. Again, a, a few weeks ago, I was really worked up about something that was way outside of my control. And I was trying to figure out all these, I spent hours trying to figure out all these ways I could kind of manipulate the situation to get the outcome that I wanted, because clearly I'm, I'm right in everything. Um, and God just convicted me. He said, Aaron, who's king? Aaron, whose kingdom are you working for? Who's in charge here? Aaron, I have it in my timing. You pray. You be faithful to what I called you to do today. That's not yours to worry about. Hey, I, I've given you this box, and I want you to invest in this box, but there's all these other boxes out here. Those are outside of your control. Those are mine, not yours. As the psalmist continues in verse 6, Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Final thing is we allow God, uh, as we're following the good shepherd, is we need to look to eternity for everything to be right. See, I, I need to realize everything may not be right this side of heaven. God doesn't promise that. You know, Pastor Mike always quotes from Hebrews 11, uh, where it says, all these died in faith, not having yet received the promises, but having seen them and welcomed them from a distance. Life isn't fair. And at times, the bad guys may win in this world. But my hope isn't in this world. No, I pray God does move and does act in this world. I pray for revival in our nation, all of those things. But ultimately, everything will not be made right this side of eternity. And if I am so focused on getting everything right right now the way I want it to be, I am rejecting God as my shepherd. So how do I follow a good shepherd? Well, I need to allow him to shepherd. I need to obey the shepherd's voice and really seek a purity. I need to not worry about things way outside of my control. Release those to the Lord. And I need to look to eternity for everything to be made right. One last obstacle I know is just really hard, especially as you experience some really deep pain. 
is this. How can I trust God to shepherd me in the midst of my pain? See, you, you may be like, man, you don't understand. My, my dad did this, that, and the next thing to me. And, and to be honest, man, I've seen some things in our students that my heart just absolutely breaks for and I weep over. And if God allowed that, man, how, how can we trust him? You know, many of us deal with these deep wounds from our parents and we falsely assume that God is like our parents and this leads to some really bad theology and some really deep mistrust. Honestly, just opening up to the Lord, when I open up to the Lord about my pain, it requires a trust. And this is part of the reason why it's so easy to self-medicate. So I want to remind us about a truth about Jesus Christ that we read about in John chapter 10. And this is Jesus speaking in John 10, starting in verse 11. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is, uh, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Even as a father knows me, and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. See, if you are trusting, or if you are struggling to trust God today, know that Jesus is the good shepherd, and he laid down his life for you and for me, and that's why I can trust him. See, sin had separated me from a holy and perfect God, but God loved you, and God loved me so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, into this world to live a perfect life and die on a cross in my place, to pay the penalty for your sins and for my sins. And three days later, Jesus Christ rose from the dead and he now offers life to anyone who would place their faith in him. It's not about how many good things that I can do or any, anything I can accomplish here on this earth. It is about my faith in what he has already accomplished for me. And I would encourage you today if you have never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, today is the day of salvation. God says, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to pay for your sins, past, present, and future. I want a relationship with you now, and I want to spend eternity with you. Will you trust me? Will you cry out to me? For those of us who do have a relationship with God, I pray that we would be reminded of this as we celebrated communion today, that we would be reminded of this as evidence for why we can trust him. If he was willing to lay down his life for you and for me, he is a God that I can trust. See, he's not the hired hand who's just gonna run away. He'll sacrifice his own life for you. And he's worthy of my trust. And I know the pain is real. But so is the compassion of my God who grieves with you. And he says, will you let me heal you? Will you let me help you forgive? I died for you. Will you trust me in the midst of your pain? You know, I've, I've shared about several of the, the challenges of being a youth pastor. One of my proudest moments I want to share with you, uh, it was an outreach event several years ago. And one of my eighth graders at the time got up and talked about a rough childhood he gets up and he's sharing his testimony in front of all of his peers. And he ends it with this. 
because God has forgiven me, I can forgive my dad. Talking about letting the good shepherd shepherd you. Man, we will all have our earthly shepherds fail us. They're going to let us down. But God doesn't promise us better earthly shepherds. See, when my earthly shepherds fail, the Lord is my shepherd. In our crazy and chaotic world, may we always be able to rejoice in knowing that we serve a good shepherd who has laid down his life for you and for me. He has laid down his life for a sheep. You see, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my broken soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness and purity for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. He's prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup overflows. He's anointed my head with oil. Surely goodness and mercy, love and kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of my God, my King, my Savior, my Maker forever and ever. Amen. We pray for us. Oh, Lord God in heaven, I thank you that you are the good shepherd. And I thank you that you chose to lay down your life for your sheep. And I do pray, if there's anyone here in this room or watching us online who has never placed their faith in you, that today would be the day of salvation where they cry out to you and know that it's not about anything that they have ever done. but It's about what you've already done for us that we place our faith in you. And God, I pray for all of us. I know everyone here has at some point in time dealt with the pain that a shepherd has left in their lives. And I pray in the midst of that, Lord God, we would see how you want to shepherd us, how you want to care for us, how you are pursuing us, how you want to seek us and bind us and heal us. Oh Lord, would we allow you to shepherd? Would we, would we invite you into the mess? God, we need you. We are desperate for you, Lord God. Lord, you are the good shepherd. You've laid down your life for a sheep. God, may we trust you today and find a hope and joy in you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks.